Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now Hello, friends. This is Dr. Pete Pulsaway. Might rem remember me from last week's movie. Brastoff. That was a good movie. But I'm not here today to talk about that movie, though I hope you enjoyed it. I'm here today because we need to all pull together and save this podcast from its ultimate destruction of being shut down by the coal board. This podcast for Screen and Country is funded under a grant established in 1885 to coal companies operating under the auspices of the Crown. Now, what you have to understand is that this podcast is owned by a small set of industries that are directly connected to the coal board and its regulations. So technically, for Screen and Country, the podcast you listen to about British movies is actually a coal industry and is fired and powered by coal. That's why it gets so smoky in this room. Anyways, I think it's time we all have to understand, as my accent wavers in and out, sometimes to Scottish and sometimes to English, that it's up to you to save us. So from Scottish Pete Potzelwaith, I say, do what you can, write some letters, let your MPs know. Goodbye. I don't know who that was. I don't think that was Pete Possilway. He just, he walked out, but he didn't sound like him. He didn't really look like him. But he also wasn't Daniel Day-Lewis, because Daniel Day-Lewis is a fantastic actor. Continue your investigation. We really need to get to the bottom of this. I don't know why he thinks we're owned by the coal companies. Uh, I mean, are we? Yeah, I don't know. Sorry. Spit in my face. I, that that's a spit of guilt, is what I'm seeing. Because only when somebody's lying do they spit in my face like that. Um, yeah, you know, I was drinking a beer. There's nothing more guilty than drinking a beer. Brendan, why are we owned by the coal companies? Hey, Jason, how are you? I'm great, Brendan. How are you? I'm fantastic. This is a podcast we're doing here. Yeah, it's called for screen and country and coal i mean uh for screen and country just for screen and country just for screen i'm and just country. gonna keep going and pretend that you didn't say that <laughs> we're having fun here we're having very fun here what do we do in this podcast jason well we generally have bad celebrity impersonations followed by in-depth discussions you didn't know we've got some ex you've got some explaining to do well i mean there, there is only one actor okay if you'll remember Yes. We all know who that is. I'm not going to say his name. I don't want to summon him. Mm -hmm. It's true. If you say his name two more times, he will appear right. in So we won't do form. that. But what we do, you and me, who aren't actors, 
You and uh, I. And alive. Mm-hmm. Yes. Unlike certain other actors and yes. certain actors that are in fact alive. <laughs> sure. Continue. Unlike us who are very much alive. This is a circular <laughs> introduction. We, as people, oh, investigate films. Can you tell we don't have a lot of notes this week, guys? <laughs> investigate. We investigate films, and then we say whether we like them or not. And, okay. and there's no real results to the investigation <laughs> other than us saying whether we like the film or we don't like the you film. You know, I shudder to ask this because you've already gone on for 20 minutes. I'll but keep going. What kind of films are they, Jason? You haven't gotten to that yet. That's a wonderful question, Brendan. And what you have to understand is type of films we do are films produced in the great, vast expanse of the once mighty British Empire, mm-hmm. produced by such Britons and rated by Britons. In fact, we didn't have any say in it, Brendan, because we are not Britons. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, I got some emails. I got to check. Oh, you should do that. Uh, so yeah, we we watch movies, we talk about them. British movies rated by the British Film Institute, 1999, Year of Our Lord, 100 Greatest British Films of All Time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's what we do. Yeah, I think I think the folks understand what we're going for. <laughs> yeah, I think they understood after you explained yeah. every single. If possible. this is your first episode, maybe maybe choose a different episode. How about that? What? Why are you <laughs> why are you so confrontational this week? I'm hot, Brendan. I'm hot out of the gate. We got hot takes. We are gonna we are gonna serve up some hot takes. Um, Jason, so this week we're talking about a movie that is uh, very high up the list. It is very number. High. 13 on the BFI Top 100. But before we talk about this movie, we need to discuss last week's movie and read some comments about, of course, a little film called... Brassed Off. Jason. Brandon. The last two weeks, I I kind of took hold of this ship. Yeah, I know. Uh, I did the comments on my own, no big deal, NBD. I appreciate it. Yeah. I was um, quite busy. I, I hear we got our highest ratings ever for that. Yeah, yeah, I saw the download returns. I just, I don't know that uh, you should, that's an aberration. It happens. I mean, you know, I mean, you get a bump every now and then, you get mentioned on somewhere, and all of a sudden people are downloading. So I don't know if I would take it too seriously. I mean, like, I mean, I guess I could do this podcast by myself. Well, but, uh, but well, I mean, yeah, that's the thing is that you, you don't, you don't know the British people like I know the British people. Oh. See, now, while neither of us have ever been to England, not that you know of. Not that I know of. Have you? Not that I know of. All right. So both of us consciously have never been to England. Mm-hmm. However, I've watched far more British TV, I bet, than you have. However, you may be right. And so I believe my basis in British TV prepares me to enter into the world of British film. So without me, you're just some guy in a beard and a R2-D2 beanie just looking like a fool. In a beard? Like I'm wearing a you beard. Wear, no, you're clearly wearing a fake beard. I didn't want to say anything, but now that it's out there, let's let's hash this out. Oh, Jason. We need to get to some comments. All we right. have a lot of them. All right there, General Longstreet with your fake beard. Your fucking reference. That's a reference to the movie Gettysburg. Yeah, go look at Tom, whatever his name is. Fucking Tom Sizemore? Is he the one in that movie? No. I, I know Jeff no. Daniels is What's the other that? famous Tom? Tom Cruise. Hold on a sec. Tom Selleck. Who played General Longstreet in the movie Gettysburg? We'll figure this out. Recorded everything. Okay, I 
Tom Berenger. Okay. I'm glad that Siri also took your, we'll figure this out to heart. So it was Tom Berenger. You look like Tom Berenger is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, this is the longest we've ever taken to get to these comments. Jason, we're going to read some comments about Brastoff. And we're going to start with a comment from Jer- Jarrett Moreland, who mm. says, It's been a long time, but I have positive memories of this movie. I think for me it was more comedy with drama than the other way around. Also, I'll never forget watching this movie and during Pete's big speech, uh, so the big speech at the end of Pete Postlethwaite, um, feeling like I knew that from somewhere, and mm. suddenly realizing that is the dialogue featured at the very beginning of the song Tub Thumper by Chumbawamba, Memories. I get knocked down, and then I get up again, because you're never going to keep me down. Truth is, I thought it mattered. I thought that music mattered. But does it bollocks? Not compared to how people matter. I did not know that was from that song. Yep. I guess so. But, you know, you, you rarely ever hear that part. I wonder if they actually play that on the radio. Because I, and also the radio's in the distance at work when someone comes on. I just, you know. Radio, it's the sound of the nation. Radio, it's tearing up the nation. All Uh-oh. we need is Radio Gaga. Radio Goo Goo. Radio Go Go. If I had sung any more of that radio radio song, Lord Michaels would have yanked me off the air. Oh, and, and I got Freddie Mercury's ghost coming after me. Whoa! Our next comment comes from listener or reader. Who knows? He may not listen to the podcast. Just I don't reads. want to presume. He may just read about us on Twitter and, and felt like he'd get his two cents in. So, uh, Adam Lounsbury, thanks for commenting. Your two cents says, I saw this when it came out, and I remember finding it pretty good. But a bit of a downer. Hmm. It was marketed as a light comedy, but some very serious issues like suicide play a part in it. And yes, marketed as a light comedy. And if you'll remember from the episode, we played the trailer. Great trailer. And yeah, completely missold this movie. No, I don't know if the movie has been so, miss, so missold since The Frighteners. Uh, the least accurate trailer since the A24 movies. Mm, mm, <laughs> now, yeah. those are great, but the tra- they are not marketed correctly. Um, Eric Van Dusen says the early 90s were a good time for British indies. Brastoff also starred Tara Fitzgerald. That's her next to Ewan because mm-hmm. I did post that great poster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, coming off good performances and hear my song Sirens and the Englishman who went up a hill but came down a mountain. My favorite title of a British movie. <laughs> They're all comedies really but to different degrees. Yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, that's the thing. It is a comedy. That's the thing is that though sometimes when we watch movies and as movie fans, we get so married to this idea of a genre, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, oh, this is a comedy. Oh, this is a drama. But it's like it's like anything. It's like there can be elements of everything in something if, if you want to go that, right? It could be an epic space opera, comedy, science fiction, uh, uh, fantasy. It's like a bag um, of cinema party mix. That's right. You could have your own cinema party. Mix. Mix. What's the next person to say, Jason? Next person is a oh a repeat commenter, serial commenter, Sharon Horwat. <laughs> wow. So wait, is that when she comments more than twice to yes. become a serial commenter? Absolutely. Okay. Coming along. Um, I watched it last in the last year or so. Hey, good stuff. And I would say it's a drama with comedy elements. I, I did. I did put out the question out there. I should note if people thought it was more drama or oh, okay. comedy. I love Ewan McGregor in it. Tara Fitzgerald from GOT is great. Game G- of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Who does she play in Game of Thrones? No idea. Hold on a second. Hey Siri. Oh my God. Who does Tara Fitzgerald play on Game of Thrones? Which one? I found two Tara Fitzgerald TV programs. 
Game of Thrones features Peter Dinklage, Emilia Clarke, Kit Harrington, and others. It's that one. It is Game okay, of so Thrones. That, yeah, so that is the show. So I don't know who she plays. She plays in... Yes, Game of Thrones, that one. Game of Thrones features... Nah. I'll just have to pretend I don't... I'll just have to let it let it slide. I'll, okay, I'll keep, look it up later. Keep going. All right, so uh, yeah, Tara Fitzgerald, who plays some unknown role in Game of Thrones, is great. Pete Postlewaite was especially good and oftentimes reminded me of my concert band teacher from high school. Yeah, he's got that... Uh, I mean, I was never in band, but I, I knew who the band teacher was. It was me. You were Mr. Barrett? Bad news. You were an asshole from what I heard. Oh. Um, story time. The first time I watched this movie, my dad walked in on a particularly dark part of this movie and was shocked and said, is this the comedy play we're seeing this weekend? Turns out he got brassed off mixed up with noises off, which are very different. <laughs> I don't know noises off. I bet you that's hilarious. I just love any misconceptions like that. Yeah. Like uh, a friend of mine watched the movie. <laughs> Watched the movie Crash, yeah, and thought it was the Paul Haggis movie. Oh, when she found it, it was the Dana oh, David no. Cronenberg. That's uh, a bad mistake to make. People who fuck on the scenes of acts, car accidents movie. You guys watch it going. What does this have to do with race? <laughs> this, this is I, all white people getting off on car crashes. I agree. This is a muddled message on racism. <laughs> Um, Johnny Pomato, who I imagine is some sort of 20s gangster. He's, that's a cartoon character. <laughs> uh, I remember enjoying it, but I haven't seen it since it came out. I remember it arrived stateside in the great post-Full Monty boom of the late 90s. Yes. It didn't enjoy the same success. But I remember Apostle Plate being typically excellent, and boy do I miss seeing Tara Fitzgerald in more films. Also, might have been the first time I really took notice of Jim Carter. Mm. I think that it was one of those great, uh, fil- it was one of those great films that we don't get enough of anymore. That can't entirely be defined as comedy or drama. It's certainly pleasant and enjoyable, even if it's not laugh out loud at every turn, but also has the courage to go to more dramatic territory without turning into a melodrama. And that probably, Johnny mentioned it clearly, is one of the big problems with how this movie did at theater probably had to do with the Full Monty, because the Full Monty is such kind of a, you know, there's dark underlying reasons for why everything is going on, you know, job loss and poverty and things like that. But the movie's ultimately quite fun and positive uh, when all is said and done, and that's what people really took to, if I remember correctly, from that era. I mean, it did win. An, it got nominated for an Academy Award. Did it win an Academy Award? I don't remember. I don't think so. But it was it was beloved. Mm-hmm. But yeah, didn't this, it win for didn't win for best score? And we were wrapping our heads around that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it's like, oh, what a great assembly of music they made. Um, but yeah, but but the, yeah. So people were expecting something like that with this, and especially with the way it was sold in that trailer we saw, trying to sell it like it was another full Monty, except a bit of band, right? But and like that's a not what we got. Comedy, yeah, yeah, like a romantic comedy angle. Which full and, Monty isn't even a romantic no, comedy. So no. Yeah. Weird. You take the next two, Jason. Next two. Uh, so B Stout says, Saw it in theaters way back. I liked it. As I recall, more drama than comedy. Miramax was pretty skilled at mark- making movies look funnier than they actually are in the 90s. Well, yeah. I mean, this is what any good marketer does, right? And Miramax was quite successful. Which is weird because I remember when we watched Shakespeare in Love, all the Miramax, all the trailers for that that I had remembered yeah. made it look like a co- like an elegant costume drama. Mm. So when I found it was a comedy, I was floored. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, and I bet you that was part of its uh, attempt to sell it as an Oscar movie because comedies don't get the same level of respect. And hey, kudos to a comedy winning Best Picture, yeah, too. exactly. Uh, Oberfeldbubble, Kyle Krugelschreiber. Kyle Kugelschreiber. You got it. Yeah. Like Liev, but Kugel. I didn't mean to call you an Oberfeldbubble. I know you're an Unterfeldbubble. Uh, when I, I remember renting it back in 98 or 99 because I wanted to see anything with Ewan McGregor after train spotting. Oh, I was afraid you were going to say fucking Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> 
Also recognized and liked Pete Postlewaite, I remember enjoying the humor, but as a young American was caught off guard by the political and social commentary. Why did I say it like that? <laughs> I don't remember much from the film except the scene where the band member breaks down and condemns Margaret Thatcher and the Tory party's policies. I had no idea what a Tory was. We in Canada don't have that luxury. But uh, was but that stuck. With, and over the years, I remember, I'd remember brassed off when I became more informed about politics. So yeah, going into your, your British history, you're like, oh shit, the Tories. That's what he was talking about. Yeah. Oh, that big rant after the, the kids, kids party. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thanks, Kyle. Uh, Brianna Betts says, I saw this when I was in high school and we used to pick movies at Blockbuster Mm. based on the previews in movies we'd watched the previous week. I remember loving it. I think I need to revisit it. Boy, those were happy times. Yeah, yeah, because if if the preview is what you remember, you may, yeah, you're definitely going to want to go back and watch that movie again. Oh, I remember, I remember renting with Robert seeing the preview and be like, oh, I got to rent that next. Yes, absolutely. Put it on the list. So good. Next Friday, once I get my $5 allowance, I'm going to Toro Home Video. (laughs) <laughs> time to rent Masters of the Universe for an eighth time this month. Did you reserve it, though, is the question. So no, I just kept going it. back. I brought it back and then took it back again. You just went in. You didn't even take it. You just walked in and paid them a dollar, so you keep it another night. I'm not even joking. That's literally what I did. The, the Dolph Lundgren Masters yes, of the Universe? Yes, sir. Well, so that movie probably is beloved in your mind. No. no? Well, it was until I saw it. Until you saw it again, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got first, Jason? And then and, and even the nostalgia didn't hold you with that thing? I mean, I know it's bad, but... No, because I think I was so young when I watched it that it didn't really stick. I just remembered wanting to watch it all the time and then now watching it now being like, no, I was stupid. I, I imagine if I watched it, I'd be like, the, as a kid, I probably would have watched it the same way I would have watched Super Mario Brothers, where it's just like, why is this so different from the actual cartoon? Like, there's there's elements, but like, why are this so different? I mean, I think we could say Masters of the Universe closer to the source material than Super Mario the movie was. Yes, so uh, but that's a debate for a different podcast. Our next comment is from Elliot M. Rauscher. Or Rauschker, if you want to say it like that. I mean, that's probably incorrect, but... I love this film! I can't get through the scene where the band is playing outside Pete Postlewaite's hospital room without tears. It's funny and sad and one of my absolute favorites. We're, we're kin, but me and him, we're kindred spirits. That's a rough scene. I had a time. I had a, I had a time. Had a little, time with that. A little tear. A little tear in the eye. All right. Our last comment, Jason, is from Mark Ryan. Two first okay, names. Okay. Yeah. For two first names, generic. Come on. This is a pseudonym. <laughs> wow. This guy's a fucking spy. <laughs> I thought he was Mark Rylance. <laughs> oh, oh, well, that would have, we would, oh, we would have had to do our hair for that. Yeah. <laughs> for these comments, for this podcast, audio-wise. He would be a spy, though, if he was Mark Rylance. Yeah, He'd be a true. whole bridge of them. That's right. <laughs> uh, Mark says, love this movie. I always felt it was a sad movie disguised as a comedy. It is very funny at times, but the drama is what the story is all about. I watched it because I was watching a lot of Ewan McGregor at that moment, and the trailer I probably saw on a Hugh Grant VHS that promised to bust your gut laugh riot not what i got but that's a good thing i just want to point out too none of these comments negative i tried to find one person that said anything negative about this there's nothing what kind of heartless cold fucking baron would uh hate this movie big cole says (laughs) not good brassed off more like brassed lies (laughs) jim we really gotta hire someone else in marketing well you should have hired somebody that wasn't in the film because i am jim carter oh no aha no, Jason, we're not recording that part yet. Oh. <laughs> Goodbye, Jim. Goodbye. So the last thing we do here, Jason, is we do a little comparison um, with the American Film Institute Top 100 list. See what was 85 on that list. Because that's where Brastoff was on the British list. What are we doing? What do we got? So number 85 on the AFI list is the 
Marx Brothers comedy, A Night at the Opera. Which I, is on my list of things I need to watch because that sounds great. Have you seen that one? I have seen that one. Yeah, did you like it? Um, It's pretty good. Yeah. I, I like Duck Soup a lot more. Yeah. Um, Duck Soup is kind of the precursor to like Mel Brooks and stuff, so it's great. Yeah. Um, Night at the Opera is it, it's pretty good, but I I would honestly put this one above it. So I'd you, say Brastoff's uh, political overtones uh, help elevate it. Night at the Opera just has a like a handful of scenes with just like literally people are just singing for like five minutes, yeah. and it's fine. But it's, that's old movies for you. They would just have yeah. endless amounts of songs. But that's what I love about Duck Soup. That movie is literally wall to wall insanity. Like Wonderful. there's hardly a plot. Yeah. But it's just like all over the place. It's nice. great. Sounds good. But anyway, Jason, we need to talk about this week's movie. We need to get on with it. We That's need to right. talk about the Lady Killers. Right, that theme song can only mean one thing. You love that joke, Brendan. You love that joke so much. I, uh, yeah. Are you mad? Yeah, I am mad. The Cohen Brothers. Wait, no, no, nope, no. Back up. Nineteen fifty-five. There we go. Which, if you'll remember, is the year of our Lord. Is the year of our Lord, but is also the year that you were born. That no. Okay. Fuck you. Uh, and we might see him in the background. This is the year that Marty McFly goes back in time. And if you remember, he goes to England. I don't know if you saw that subplot. It was cut out of most versions of the film. but uh, I I only watched the version with... Uh, um... With Eric Stoltz? <laughs> yeah, Eric yeah, Stoltz. That's, that's the one to watch. Yeah, that's the, a definitive that's, Back to the Future. That's the charismatic lead I yeah, need. It's, it's my favorite 45-minute half movie. <laughs> with the most charismatic lead actor. This side of the Mississippi. Goddamn right. Um, so the Lady Killers. This is a film directed by Alexander McKendrick, yes. who we have yet to uh, talk about one of his films, but he has three on this list. Oh, and the other two, I believe, also both have Alec Guinness. Well, we like Alec Guinness. Is one of them the man in the white suit? Yes. Ah, and I don't remember what the other one is because I don't... Star Wars. <laughs> sure, <laughs> Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. Ooh. Um, <laughs> he so... asks me, and I shall have him. <laughs> <laughs> So 1955's The Lady Killers, this is the original. Of course, there is a remake mm -hmm. by the Coen Brothers. Which 2004! We'll, we'll talk about that in length at some other point. Sure. We don't have to mention it too much now, but uh, this movie stars Alec Guinness mm. as Professor Marcus. Yes. Cecil Parker as Major Claude Courtney. That's a guy. Herbert Lom as Lewis Harvey. That's a guy who I think I know, but I don't. Peter Sellers making his second and final appearance in the BFI Top 100 as Harry Robinson. How ironic. What? How? I mean, <laughs> well, ironic that Peter Sellers is in this best of list. He's in two movies we've watched. Yes. Um, and of course, in the other movie, it was all, it's All Right Jack. He's fantastic. And in this movie, he's just an actor, basically. Well, well I, I, yeah, we should need, we need to get into that. Yeah, we will. Um, Danny Green as One Shot Lawson, Jack um, Warner as the superintendent, and Katie Johnson as Mrs. Wilberforce. Truly the heart of this movie. Yeah, she's wonderful. She is. Jason, fuck's this movie about? Well, 
Mrs. Wilberforce just wants to rent out a room in her house because she's an old lady, Brendan, and she needs money. Mm-hmm. You know old ladies, they love money. and Yeah, that's often the common stereotype. That's, that's, that's a fact. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, because she likes to live. Sure. Um, so she rents it out to Professor Marcus, uh, who is a clearly upstanding gentleman walking around in the shadows. Nothing uh, creepy about him at all. Nothing creepy about him at all. Uh, and he needs to rent it for his, and you can't see what I'm doing, but I'm making air quotes, and I'm band. Pu- and I'm punching Jason in the face at the same time. Ow, 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 stop, ow. Ow, quit it. You know, you've been punched in the face long enough. Not being punched in the face feels pretty good. <laughs> Is that a quote from something? That's just my life. That's okay. just one of my maxims. Um, so, yeah, he wants to rent a room and he wants to have a place for his quote-unquote band to mm-hmm. practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Where they can practice uh, fiddles and cellos and such stringed instruments. But it turns out, no, he's not doing that at all. What? He's a bit of a miscreant. He's assembled a team of uh, highly trained operatives, and they are going to break into the nearby train station facility. No, they're they're robbing. They're robbing a the car. train. They're, they're robbing, robbing a train a car. car and trans transporting it via the train. Which is what confused me because I, I believe in in the remake, which I have seen previously. In the remake, they're like tunneling underground from her. They specifically go to her house because they're tunneling underground to get into the vault for for a bank, for a riverboat. Yeah, where Marlon Wayans works. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so in, in that movie, the, the house is really central because they actually have to dig in. But in this one, it's just because it happens to be near the rain uh, or near the tracks. And it's commented that it has a, uh, what is the quote here? Uh, I wrote it down. He says, because um, he looks out the window when he, when he gets there and he's looking through the room and he sees the train station. And he says, the view is most exhilarating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Thank you for windows, the- as, we, as we are also informed, are the eyes of the house. And the eyes of the soul. That's right. Yes. So, yeah, basically he gets his uh, his group of toughs in the house and they use that as cover while they plan out this robbery. Mm-hmm. And they eventually uh, pull it off, uh, basically using Mrs. Wilberforce, their landlord and sweet old lady, to assist them unknowingly and because they sent her to the station to pick the package up. Pick up a, a delivery their, for their, Professor their, Marcus. Their big swerve is that rather than just steal it off the train... Or and then take it and send it somewhere else on the train. They take it off the train and then put it in the like outgoing packages rather than the ingoing packages, and so they don't think that it's there. They address it to her, yeah, I think, she and then he asks if up. she can pick up the package for him. But Mrs. Wilberforce, sweet little lady, it is. She takes it, but then she gets into a fight with a uh, with a merchant over how he's. That was a the horse. craziest. <laughs> That, okay, can, it's it's a wonderful scene. Can we just talk about yeah. before you go any further? That is the wildest reason to get her like delayed, delayed. Yeah, because <laughs> like it, so she stops. She's she has the package. She's she, the, her driver is going, and she stops because a man has a fruit cart. Yeah, that. <laughs> It's angry because a horse is just eating fruit off his fruit cart. And he's, just, he's not like hurting the horse or anything. He's just kind of shooing the horse away. And, and he's kind of like, stop eating the goddamn yeah, fruit. And she's like, eating all my profits. Leave that beast alone. <laughs> she starts hitting him with her umbrella. Yeah, and it turns into a whole thing. And then the cabbie gets punched, I think, at some point, And it turns into a, a brawl, basically. My favorite is when the guy who has the horse comes out. And he's like, can anybody... I don't remember the exact line, but he's like, can anybody help me find my horse? She answers to Danielle. <laughs> Something like that. I'm like, what is going on? What are, like, it's just an insane like setup to yeah. to get where we need to go. And so they they yeah, so they they rob this place. And this is actually like you would think that they would get robbed the place at the end of the movie, but no, it's like in the middle of the movie they actually yeah. successfully robbed the place. I mean, they, just like the remake. Yeah, and they store all the money in their briefcase, but then eventually Mrs. Wilberforce, uh, it's revealed to her because the one of the case busts open and money flies out, and she uh, understands what's going on. 
And then they basically say that she's been drugged. Well, you're, you're part of it now, you know. So uh, if, if we go down, you go down too. Mm-hmm. And then the movie, rest of the movie is basically them deciding what they're going to do. They, they need to deal with her. They need to get rid of her. And at one point, suggest even faking her suicide. But for whatever reason, that's not acceptable to anybody. No. So instead, they draw straws to see who's going to kill her. And they keep doing this. And basically, it results in each one of them being uh, uh, trying to, like, abscond with the money and then being killed by yeah. all the others. And it they is... keep getting dumped. <laughs> the bodies keep getting dumped into passing trains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, passing trains, my favorite silent film. Yeah. And so it, it, they basically end up just killing each other. And, of course, the last one left at the live is the professor. And he's high, he's hanging under the train bridge. And he gets whacked in the head with the train signal <laughs> and falls down into the train and dies. Much like uh, very close to how Tom Hanks gets it in the remake. How did he get it in that? Well, he gets whacked in the head and falls into the garbage boat. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. It's been a long time since I saw that uh, uh, remake. How dare you? It's been like a decade. I wouldn't have watched it, but one of the guys at work really liked it and suggested I did, and I enjoyed it. The Lady Killers. Mm-hmm. 1955. 1955. Alec Guinness. Yes. In a in a more comedic role for Alec Guinness than we're used to thus yeah. far. He, I mean, I mean, yeah, this and like great expectations so far. I feel like mm. he's been pretty comedic. Um, obviously, this more this this was more like intentionally comedic, whereas in Great Expectations, it's a, it's almost a facet of the type of character he's playing. Yeah. He's funny. He's funny just because he's so posh. Oh, of course not. Yes, absolutely, my good man. No trouble at all. You know, like and it's at this time I should just mention it's not polite to play with your wee wee at the table. <laughs> That's in the movie, right? It's, it's, it's yeah. It's why it's so great. Okay. Uh, but in this one, he's playing a character, and and I did not realize it at first. It was only after I was reading up on the movie afterwards that he is in fact uh, uh, doing an impersonation of another friend of ours, one Alistair Sim. And the reason for that is because this was originally going to star Alistair Sim, and instead they got Alec Guinness, who said, "Fuck it, I'll just be Alistair Sim." Right down to the right down to the teeth. The teeth. It's the teeth that do it. He's in yeah. the smile. He just he has the yeah. same intonation, the same like. Literally, it's like we, we we got one of history's greatest actors to play one of history's other greatest actors. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and and you have like uh, so you have Al Guinness basically doing Alistair Sim. You have this guy playing one shot Lawson. Yeah, he's, he's a total moose, a former boxer. Yeah, um, and I, I I got a kick out of like his nickname one shot. Yeah. It made me think like or one one round one Lawson. Round, yeah, yeah. What made me what made me laugh at this is like. This is either, um, I like to think of two theories behind his nickname. It's either because he won all of his matches in one round. Yeah. Or he just kept getting knocked out in the first round. <laughs> and I like to think it's the latter. Because <laughs> he's he, huge, but maybe he's huge, got a real glass jaw. Yeah, he's just a huge, hulking, kind of dumb guy. <laughs> yeah, kind of sensitive at heart, got a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's ever shown. I just assume dumb, I mean, dumb yeah, guys are sensitive. yeah, he doesn't want to do heart. away with Mr. Well, none of them really want to do it. Even even Mr. Harvey, who you would expect would just be fine to do it because he wears a hat. Nobody wants to do it, but he's the one that is vehemently mm. against it. Lawson, you mean? What? One round, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So we we also have Mr. Harvey, played by Herbert Lom. Yes. Who is, uh, I would say he's like the general in the remake. He's very uh, authoritarian. Mm. He's very, he's the he's the asshole. He's kind of the hardcore guy. He seems like the most serious criminal on the, yeah. uh, on the crew. Yeah. Um, and then we have, I want to get to who you're thinking of at the end. Uh, we have Major Courtney, mm-hmm. who's kind of the very, uh, like... I guess he's kind of a chicken shit. He is. He would. Uh, I mean, you <laughs> could easily I, cast Terry Thomas in this role. Which I gotta laugh that he's a major. 
Because yeah. I think of like a like a, a general, and he's he just like terrified. Of is everything. the most stereotypical major that I could imagine them getting for a film like this, and it, and, and 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 that's exactly what they need for this role. But mm-hmm. like he just just the mustache, the hair, the way he talks, everything is like the most stock British military officer kind of character. Oh. <laughs> we also, and then finally, out of the group here, we have Peter Sellers. Who is just kind of, like you said, he's just kind of in this. He's in this. This is one of his early roles, and he's playing a role. He's, he's an actor. He's working as an actor. This isn't a Peter Sellers movie. This it's is just, just Peter Sellers playing a role. Yeah, it's his first major role. I mean, he's been in a few things before this, but this is his first thing where he's mm. kind of like right there. And this is, but, but before, we know him as Peter fucking Sellers. We before like Pink Panther and, and uh, Doctor Strangelove. We know him as Peter whining and dining Sellers. That's right. Loves to whine and dine in the cellar. The local bar. He likes it in the butt. <laughs> All right, there. there That's why his name it. is Seller. <laughs> I thought it was just he was a really good salesman. Nope. Seller, Peter. Likes it in the butt. Okay. Downstairs, Brendan. So he will do anything and that. Yeah. Okay. Take note, Meatloaf. Yeah. Fuck you, Meatloaf. <laughs> so Peter Sellers. You got nothing on Peter Sellers. Open meatloaf. up your horizons, you son of a bitch. Um, but yeah, so anyway, Peter Sellers is just kind of there. And that's the thing that I think out of everything in this movie, that kind of shocked me the most is yeah. that I was like, I mean, Peter Sellers is fine oh, in no, this he's, movie. Yeah, he's absolutely he's fine in the role. Not really doing much. Given what we know now of him, he's clearly underutilized. Yeah, he is the least interesting character, yes. I think. Um, because I'd argue that every other character has something, and I would argue that he's just kind of the straight man. Yeah, there's nothing that really stands out about him Yeah, among anybody else. Especially when you got Alec Guinness pulling yeah. the strings. Yeah. So let's roll the dice to see. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, I know you've got... Now, I know this is brewing under the surface, and yeah. I think we need to get it out there. Sure. You, you've, got, you've got a hot take. you got a little oh, bit of a hot it's, take. it's such a hot take. You've got a little bit of a hot take. Batten down the hatches, ladies and gentlemen, because okay, here your, it comes. Okay, okay, here we go. I was just kind of bored by this movie. Ah! And I feel bad that I'm bored by it because I, I, I like the cast. I, I the, Mrs. Wilberforce is wonderful in this movie. And there's some funny scenes. But just overall, personally, it, it, it didn't strike a chord with me. And I'm, I mean, surely that can't be my fault. So, uh, <laughs> but I know, I wonder if for me, because I've seen the remake before. And the what I liked about the remake, and I know the remake isn't regarded as particularly a great movie or a great remake, but mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. And one of the things I really liked about it is that the characters in it are fucking cartoons. Like they are, they are cartoons of people. Like Tom Hanks is doing an insane Southern accent. Well, I don't know what talking like this. Like is Tom and, Hanks in the room. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and then you got J.K. Simmons and his girl, his girlfriend, Mountain Girl. Yeah. Uh, like the characters are just so insane, and and it's it's got that weird Southern, you know, would you haze almost, to it. Would you almost say that like the USA Network characters were welcome? I would say that, okay. uh, and I would also say that, like the USA Network, burn notice. <laughs> I'll drink to a show I've never seen. That's right. But Justin. Justin Clink. watched every episode of that show, and then I saw a few of them. Because Bruce Campbell was in it. Okay, sure. Don't you like Bruce Campbell? Yeah. Yeah. Is he in any of these movies? I'm going to go ahead and guess no. Yeah, okay. So... I'm thinking that my issue with this movie might be that it's the similar issue that some people have with certain old movies. And it's that this is such a foundational type of comedy. Like this, this establishes a formula that is used in many other movies throughout Mm -hmm. the years Mm -hmm. uh, of like kind of the heist and, you know, having a person that's specifically the patsy that's kind of being fucked with. Um, This is such an early example of that, that I think it just doesn't resonate as well because it, it is all those cliches 
uh, of those types of movies kind of in one. And the characters just aren't that crazy yeah. in my mind. And, and again, that's a mind that's been weaned, you know, or not weaned, but like raised on uh, 90s comedies and 2000s comedies. And, and like, you know, in, in a post-airplane world, right? A comedy like this is is a harder sell. I you wanted say. them it's to very be mild. more like all. You wanted them all to be a bunch of Lloyd Christmases. Kinda, yeah, 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 sure, yeah. Lloyd Christmas and uh, and Jeff Daniels. What's his character's name in Dumb and Dumber? I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, when you got a character named yeah. Lloyd Christmas, that's the one that's going to stand out. Alec Guinness is obviously the closest to that because he's doing an Alice Sim impression. And it's very cartoonish for him. He's I, not. Yeah, I'd say I, he's pretty great. He, he is. He's f- he's fantastic. And him and, and Katie Johnson are both like the kind yeah. of the highlights. Of oh, this absolutely. Movie. Yeah. They are. They are great. And and nothing against those. Like I say, there there are great scenes in this movie. There are great mm-hmm. uh, moments and great actors. But just for me overall, I was just kind of falling asleep watching it. Now, I will ask you this. Yes. When we get into the last act of the movie, Mm. was that the most interested you were? When we start getting to the deaths? Yeah, I'd say. But even by that point, it was just like... uh, It's just happening. Wow. It was... And and because, like, on paper... The idea of them hauling these bodies out and, and even just talking about it, the idea is funny to me. Hauling these bodies out and dumping them over or just slowly killing off one by one as they fuck up, right? Like, that's a funny mm-hmm. idea, but it just didn't resonate when I was watching it. It just, I just was sitting there like, Ugh. Can I tell you something else I found out uh, about Peter Sellers in this What's movie? That? He also does the voice of the parrots. <laughs> That is a Peter Sellers thing to that, do. Yes, it is a Peter Sellers so thing. So that I appreciate. The parrots, though, I will say that was one of the funnier lines in the movie where she uh, is talking about the parrots and her husband that left them to her. And she goes, oh, well, I've, she goes, I've had four. And he goes, husbands? And she goes, parrots. <laughs> I do like, too, that the, the portrait of her husband as a police officer, which yeah. we only find out a little, a little, a little bit later on. Um, and, the, uh, and just like, I don't know, everything um, building up. You know what? Fuck it. Let's give a little introduction of her character. Yes, because we got to see her. She's the heart and soul of this movie. Yeah, this is the first time we really hear her speak, and it's it's at the police station, and she's uh, letting them know that uh, a, a prior case that was reported, everything's fine. Ah, good morning, Mrs. Wilberforce. Very nice to see you again. Good morning, Superintendent. It's about my friend Amelia and the uh, the spaceship. Shit. She saw in her garden last Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, she, uh, she hasn't seen it again. She never saw it in the first place. Well, I'm very relieved to hear that. On Wednesday in children's hour, they were doing a little play called uh, Visitors from uh, Other Worlds. Amelia had her wireless on. Well, it's obvious. She dropped off to sleep. The whole thing was just a dream. Amelia was so embarrassed. She quite refused to come here to tell you herself. I well, do hope all sorts of official wheels haven't been set in motion. Well, you mustn't worry about that, ma'am, and I'm very grateful to you for this additional information. What I love about her, and that scene specifically, is that she reminds me of uh, one of my grandmothers in the sense that she is this kind of prim, old-school old lady who is doesn't have a mean bone in her body and just wants, you know, the best for everything, but is also the sort to just go to the police station and talk to the police and tell them all this stuff that they don't give a fucking shit about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, sweet as sweet as pie, and they just they just slowly like usher her out of the station. Like, oh, thank you so much for coming by. Because they don't want to be mean to her because she's lovely. She's just a little bit of a pain in the butt because it's like we don't need to know this, but thank you. Move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, like I wonder, like that whole thing about like, oh, Amelia didn't want to come here and tell you about the spaceship. It's like. 
like the, the, I'm sure when Amelia went there and told them about the spaceship, whoever this Amelia is, I'm assuming one of her we, old. We, we see her later in the movie. Because oh, okay. She, when 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 the old ladies all show up, is she the, the one with the newspaper? Uh, it might be. Or is she the one that wants to get her fuck on with Major Courtney? I don't know. I okay. don't know. She's not the one with the little glasses, I don't think. Okay, well, either way, her her old lady friend, Amelia, I mean, this is something that, like, you know, they're clearly like, yeah, we know. And it kind of establishes her right away as yeah. this, that she likes to talk. Yes. And loves. she will talk to everyone about anything, mm-hmm. uh, no matter how mundane. Just like my grandmother. Or insane. <laughs> yeah. And we'll do it for hours. Um... One thing I know I noted because I want to get your take on this. Sure. When, when she's going around, she's saying hi to everyone. Everyone's saying hi back. What was with that moment where she looks at a baby and the baby just screams its head off? <laughs> Did you notice it? Like, what? It like, was a weird moment. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's a. I, I don't know that that signifies anything in the movie because she's not. She's there's nothing in this movie that says that she's a mean person in any way or or. Because, you know, when everything goes down, she immediately wants to go to the police. Like, the whole time, she's yeah. like, we have to wait for the police to come and deal with this. Like, <laughs> But then I thought, and, like, and then I'm now thinking about it, too. It's almost like there's this, like, harbinger of death at the beginning of the movie. Because you get her walking out of the police station, and suddenly it starts to rain. Mm. And she puts up her umbrella. Yeah. You get but just The umbrella that, that she hates. Yeah. <laughs> just before that, she looks at, she, she kind of smiles at a baby who freaks out. Mm. Um, and then right after that, you know, you have the, you have Alec Guinness kind of in shadow. Yes. Professor Marcus just following her. So it's almost like he's kind of looming over her and maybe that's why all this stuff his is aura is, is kind of affecting everything that's going around he's such a hilariously evil presence yes <laughs> but then you see him he's like a he gives off this impression of a buffoon yes but he's also like a mastermind yes or he certainly thinks he's a mastermind it could be yeah it could be argued given that the, the scheme doesn't really pay off well and, and and I should note too when we get the introduction of all of the the villains which I do want to play here too mm. um there's a stumble where he says Professor Marcus, and the other character's like, Profe- right, yes. Professor Marcus. Yes, you he's- notice that because as he walks out, he's looking at all of them when he says, oh, hello, Mr. Harvey. Like, he does that, like, to be like, oh, that's my name. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, well, that's the thing, too. I don't think that's any of their names. Yeah, no, no. Those are their Mr. Um, Black, Mr. White, etc. What do I got to be, Mr. Pink? Um, but yeah, let's, 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 I want to take play another clip here. It's just the introduction. Mr. Pink is better than Mr. Brown, I'll say that much. <laughs> Sounds like Mr. Shit. Yeah. Ah, good evening, Major Courtney. <laughs> good evening, Professor. I hope I'm not too early. Not at all, not at all. Mrs. Wilberforce, may I present Major Courtney? How do you do, Mrs. Wilberforce? I'm honored. Come in, gentlemen, come in. May I introduce Mr. Lawson? How do you do, gentlemen, Mr. Lawson? And Mr. Robinson? Mrs. Wilberforce? Mr. Robinson. All right, thank you. You're the cellist, Mr. Lawson. Uh, what now? Uh, he's the cellist. <laughs> yeah. I'm the, uh... There's uh, only Mr. Harvey to come. I think perhaps we might, um, go upstairs. Yes, yes. <laughs> Excuse me, oh, Mrs. Wilberforce. Oh, I'm so sorry, Major. They even made him up to look like Alistair Sim. <laughs> yeah, um... Exactly. Like the hair looks like him, the eyebrows, the posture that he's carrying himself. He's literally just, it's like we, <laughs> he wasn't available. So this is the best solution. And I do, I noticed something too when watching that clip. If you notice any scene that Al Guinness is in, mm. if he's not the one talking, he's always looming behind someone with that or like crazy smile on his face with the teeth. Yeah, it's almost like he's he's doing his like puppet master act. Like yes. he's 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 uh, he's behind someone, looking on, giving them kind of audio 
like visual cues to, mm. to how to talk or he'll like he'll cover up the frame so that the person behind him can't see what he's saying to the mm. person in front of him like he his physical performance in this is mm. just as good as his actual performance oh, yeah. like he knows exactly where he is at all times he is an actor's actor talented man and we miss him he's been dead 20 years now brendan Al Guinness is dead yeah oh still dead Still, what is he, Generalissimo Francisco Franco? <laughs> and in other news, <laughs> Al Guinness is still dead. We also get a little uh, bit of him when he comes into the home. When he comes into the the home, the home. When he comes into the house, he um, he has this weird control over like the parrot too. Mm. Like he just kind of puts his hand out and notice what he's dressed all dark. Yeah, and when he puts his hand out, he's got a black glove on. Yeah. Like everything about him is death. Yeah. Do you think he's controlling the parrot? I thought the parrot was just reacting to his evil because the parrot would puff up. Like it, it did just, puff up, but it st- it like it shut up right away. Though. Yeah, because it knew not to fuck with this guy. Yeah, he's a mean. He's one mean motherfucker. Shut your mouth, shaft. <laughs> and he's also got a bit of the OCD. Yes, um, which doesn't really come into play later. No, it's just it's more of just an affectation. I I thought that was going to like lead to his demise at some point. Does that figure into the remake at all with Tom Hanks's character? Because he's very very persnickety in the same way. I don't think so. I don't think he's ever like rearranging photos or anything. But yeah, he tries to rearrange. But but yes, well, he just tries to move the photo to straighten it to the wall. But the wall is at such an angle that the photo can't straighten because the photo's already straight. It's the wall that's at the problem at the angle that's the problem. And you even have Mrs. Wilberforce being like, "Oh, that's not gonna you 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 know don't bother don't bother doing that." And you see the look in his face like it's always gonna be like that i'd be <laughs> like me drive him crazy yeah. that would honestly be me if i if, if i had to stare at a crooked picture all day i would lose my mind i'd come downstairs and there's just brendan in a pool of blood from smashing his head against the photo yeah wait did that happen in my mind yes where are we jason Jason? Alec Guinness is a fantastic actor. Yes, he is. He really is. I don't know what happened. We love him. We love him. We do. He is almost so convincing that he convinces me in some of his speeches. Mm. (laughs) Like, okay, so we have this whole thing where, um, yeah, and it's the most ridiculous thing is that she catches she finally realizes that they've taken the money at the last possible moment they're just about to get away yeah. and one round loss and old lovable oaf old moose old moose yeah from the fanatic the mm-hmm. movie we've all seen and loved <laughs> starring john travolta he um he gets his luggage stuck in the door mm. and instead of just you know knocking on the door and getting her to open it he decides to rip out that luggage and money goes everywhere and she knows something is up. The jig is up. The jig is up. But then Alginus gives this great speech where mm. he tries to convince her that it's like, it's a victimless crime, basically. He's like, don't worry, but he's like, look, look, they, they get this money's all insured at this point, so they'll just submit a claim. The claim will pay them out. The, the claim will go to this place to get the money. And at this point, they don't want the money. They don't even want the money. They're going to lose one farthing. Exactly. They're going to raise policy on everybody one farthing, and then it's not a problem. So it's fine, right? Let's see if he convinces us. Mrs. Wilberforce, I don't think you quite understand the intricacies of this particular situation. Let me try to explain, Mrs. Wilberforce. You see, in this case, it would do no good to take the money back. As strange as it may seem to you, nobody wants the money back. Don't expect me to believe that. But it's true, Mrs. Wilberforce. 
You see, this particular shipment of money was insured. So now the insurance company simply pays to the factory £60,000, and then, in order to recover its money, it puts one farthing on all the premiums, on all the policies for the next year. You see? So how much real harm have we done anybody? One farthing's worth, Mrs. Wilberforce, one farthing's worth. Now, you haven't thought of it like that, had you? Hey, you know what? I never thought of it like that either. Surely it isn't as simple as all that. I assure you, if we tried to take the money back now, it would simply confuse the whole issue. I wouldn't even take it back. Well, that's perfectly true. Oh, but it's quite ridiculous. Before you speak, Mrs. Wilberforce, has it occurred to you to wonder why five such men as ourselves should have been driven to this? Why we should risk apprehension, public humiliation, disgrace? There is not one amongst us who is not burdened with responsibilities to others. Major, tell her. Tell her your own story. No, no. I, I, oh, please, Claude, tell her. Well, it's just that, well, at this very moment, Mrs. Wilberforce, there is waiting an invalid, a dear, sweet little old lady, not may heaven bless her, not unlike yourself, waiting with patient serenity but with high hope that she has nothing more to fear. There's nothing to manipulate an old lady better than saying that you're doing something for some even older lady. But to her credit in this movie, she's not one of those stereotypical kind of uh, gullible old ladies. She's not completely oblivious. Yeah, she's like, come on. But she does it in the most polite way possible. But then again, that's another scene of Al Guinness like, constantly looming behind people like he's behind her while someone else is talking to her he's basically watching the major being like okay now tell her the story that we agreed on yeah yeah damn um he's good he is and and i do like the detail i just noticed while watching that scene is the whole time he's giving that speech they're doing her dishes yeah <laughs> so it's like listen it's, it's look at us we're just doing your dishes they're, they're doing the things that exactly to endear yourself to an old lady you do an old lady's dishes they fucking love it mm-hmm They've got this little assembly line, like he's passing yeah. to Major Courtney and to uh, uh, well, Peter Sellers. Yeah, they're just drying uh, and they're them just off. drying them off. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's it almost convinced me. Hell, Jason, let's rob a bank. That's a good idea. It's only one farthing. Do we know an old lady we can rent a house from so we can pretend to practice our band? How dare you call Mariah an old lady? Well, I mean, she's she's younger. my old lady. That's right. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. I don't. Sorry. No. Well, then I guess we'll have to table this for the moment. Okay. Now, as for the movie, though, mm-hmm. I like the moment mm-hmm. when she's handed out tea and she's like, shall I be mother? What was that? I think that might be a British slang reference, the idea that the person that hands out the tea, like that actually physically like pours it into the cup and then offers you the cream and sugar is mother, is the person that's doing it. So I thought like, she was into weird sexual play. Yeah, maybe. But uh, it's similar to, I think, I've heard British people at Christmas, the, the kid that hands out the presents from under the tree is often called postman. Okay. So in the same way, this person is mother because they're handing out the tea. So who shall be mother? Who's going to do the fucking work is what they're saying. Do you want me to be your mother? Mm, I don't think so because would you like to see my resume mm, I guess the question is can you cook like she can okay just hold on it's my resume alright let's take a look and this is a list of 100 movies what, uh, what are you talking about I mean about? these are all pretty good movies yeah. I, mean, I haven't seen all of them I've okay. seen a good chunk of them but uh, uh, for a podcast 
Yeah, actually, it's uh, okay. funny you mentioned that. Uh, what do you think about that, though? Doctor No is a great movie. Okay, perfect. So I'm hired? You're hired. Sweet. You can call me Mama. And that is how you do a job interview, people. But that's just a bonus. Back to the movie. That is a bonus for the Patreon. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for all the monies. Patreon exclusive. Um, what did you think about the whole heist? The heist itself. It was quite a uh, quite a thing. They had uniforms. <laughs> he walked up. He dumped it. It was it was uh, you know it wasn't quite to the level of something like an ocean's heist. Jason, or... did you watch this movie? <laughs> I did. I did. I watched it while I was working on an overnight shift. So. Uh, oh really? Yeah, at work. Because how I'd, many times I'd, did you have to pause it? Uh, not very often. It was very wow. quiet. Wow. They, they took our gas pumps out. You see. Oh. Yeah. How do you fart? I have to go to the bathroom and use the tube. It's the fart tube. <laughs> That's awful. Yeah, no, it really is. It really is. Uh, so where does the it, tube... It's, it's actually quite a process because you got to sanitize it mm-hmm. before and after. Where does the tube connect to? I'd, I'd rather not talk about that. Okay. okay. I will just say, though, that uh, it's hard to sit down. Interesting. I mean, emotionally. <laughs> yeah, because that's a phrase we all know. Um, so you're saying the heist had a lot of uniforms. Yeah, there was a, they had a train uniform, and mm-hmm. they dumped it, mm-hmm. and then she came and picked it. wasn't really much to the heist. They just, like, moved a case, and then the old lady grabbed it. I do like some of the physical stuff, though, like when they're all in the phone booth. Yes, the phone booth stuff is great, because um, it's like, they're, it's literally, I think it was Peter Sellers' character is the one guy doing anything, and they're all just watching, aren't they? Well, it's, no, it's I believe it's Alec Guinness on the phone yeah. with uh, Major, Major Courtney. who's watching what's going who's on. Who's freaking out at everything. Yes. Um, and, like, because the, there's, a, there's a fake out, because the old lady picks up the briefcase, but then and she goes back and they're like why is she going back why is she going back it's because she forgot her umbrella of course she keeps leaving that thing everywhere Ella A uh, and then yeah so but the heist itself it's almost I wrote down that it's almost like an Ocean's Eleven scene but it looks it's just it looks like a bunch of people who don't know what they're doing which is what they're trying to get across, I assume. Yeah. yeah, it's just a bunch of random people. I do like um, that it creates a lot. It is there's some tense there's some tense moments in that. I like mm. that. I also think the one of the most tense scenes in the movie for me anyway was that old lady party. Yes, with uh, hurting the old ladies. Around. I'm just like I'm just watching it being like I would be most uncomfortable. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. and, and I am I am basically Mr. Harvey in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> Those horny old ladies, man. you got to watch out for Oh, them. one of them wants to get their fuck on with yeah. Major Courtney. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, this dashing, this dashing officer that's probably 30 <laughs> years your junior. <laughs> 30. Well, I guess they are all about 90. Yeah. Are any of them still alive? One of them. The lady with the glasses? She yeah. just won't die. Oh, amazing. How old is she? Uh, 142. Oh. Keep on keeping on. Um, I do want to play a quick uh, bit from the old lady party, the part where one of the old ladies has the newspaper. Yes. And she's trying to read the story about the uh, the robbery. Yes. Alleganus is doing not a very good job at trying to cover up and uh, talk over her. Because this is kind of where, uh, this is Mrs. Wilberforce has already seen the money. Mm. Uh, he's explaining, he's tried to use some excuse. What does he say? He's like, he just sold his business or something. Yeah. And uh, she's like, well. Uh, yeah, he I'm, sold his butcher shop or yeah. something. Yeah. And then, and then now when she hears this obviously her tune changes but let's just listen to uh this little bit here robbery at king's cross station at one o'clock this afternoon 
afternoon. The paper. Oh, have you a paper? I, uh, may I see the latest test score, please? Oh, the King's Cross test. Yes, it must have been terribly exciting. A paper says... What is the cost? Really all out for 60,000 of Yes, papers say the police are not certain. 310,000. <laughs> police say they're not certain how the money was brought from the station. 60,000 pounds, they say. The uh, it, it, when, it, when you hear that musical stick, it then cuts to Alec Guinness, who's like has the paper in front of his face, and he slowly lowers over his face and is like smiling, looking at her, like, ah, it's not us, or is it? It's another movie where someone is where a guilty man is holding a newspaper, yeah. We've done that classic old trope of 39 steps. Yep. <laughs> Jason, there's a lot of fake background shots in this. Yes. Um, I feel like this was shot on one set. Yes, it was with some rear projection done. <laughs> yeah. I, very much so when the officer arrives to talk to Mrs. Wilberforce and mm. is the most fake background. Yeah, it's pretty fake. But but at the same time, they do have some some cool shots in this movie. I like, like it. The very opening, the very first shot of the movie is a lovely crane shot mm. as she walks out of her house down the street. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, sh- I mean, I should say, yeah, the cinematography is wonderful. But yeah, the, the town, like I say, I love British towns and movies, yeah. especially when they're in color, and this looks great. And it does, and it's that same thing where um, the houses are really close to each other. But yes. they, don't, they don't do a lot of, like... It's, there's not a lot of talk about like class and no. stuff like that. No, but. no, this is this is a comedy straight through and through. This lady, she she's clearly not upper class, but she's got a pretty big house, and you know she may have to bang on the pipe with a mallet to get it to <laughs> dump water, which I enjoyed very much. I enjoyed that, but I thought it was going to come into play more. No, you think you think at some point she would hit the pipe and it would like blast one of them or something. That's what I thought. But that's not how they did things in Britain back in the day. It's just like oh, this thing that's happening. Yeah, it just happens to all of us. It's like they introduced the mallet. In the first ten minutes, and it yeah. didn't come back in the last ten. No, that's just, I, I assume that that was a common thing that people did, or was a hilarious thing for an old lady to do. Yeah, I, so I will it's say like the that, equivalent. It's like the fifties equivalent of a rap and granny. Oh uh, no, it's not. That's the worst. <laughs> it's like it's like that whole thing where it's like, whoa, we didn't expect this person to say that. That's high uh, comedy. See, see if, if this if this lady had lived fifty more years, she would have been an, a great rap and granny. She would have been about one hundred and twenty. But she, she could have been, been the granny from the wedding singer. That's right. It could have been her. The ultimate rapping granny. Didn't she just die recently? Sure. Well, look it up, folks. <laughs> look it up, folks. Rapping granny. From... Tweet us. Don't tweet us, <laughs> dead old ladies. <laughs> um, I do. So yeah, and I was gonna say that. Um, uh, everyone's yeah, just like every. It's so weird to me. I gotta go back to this. Mm. Everyone's personality is just so well drawn, mm. except for Peter Sellers. He yeah. just character is just a nothing. Well, and and that's the thing. In my view, like they're they have these little quirks and personalities, but they just all feel so kind of like mixed Maybe. together because it's it's five white guys or whatever. Like it's just five white oh, guys, shit. Here we slightly go. different sizes. You know, they're all British. They're all whatever. Like they're all kind of of the same. And and that may have you know been more apparent to white guy audiences of nineteen fifty five Britain to are you be saying, able to differentiate them. But now I need a little more diversity to mix my characters. Are, are you saying hashtag Lady Killer so white? Hashtag all white guys look the same. <laughs> you have white guy face blindness That's right. like me. Yeah, I sometimes encounter that. Oh yeah, well these fucking white guys, man. Go with on the, with their shaved heads and their beards. Yeah, who do they think they are? Who do they think they are, Jason? That's Tell right. Us. They think they're the best. Around? Yeah. No one's ever going to keep them down. 
Can you tell we don't have a lot of notes, folks? Yeah. Um, I have some stuff about the making of the movie. Do you have anything else you want to say before? No, not critique-wise. No, but... no, no, no. I mean, yeah, just uh, this, it's a movie with some lines. Uh... Jason, I know you've got notes there. <laughs> I had one more line that I think I liked. Okay. Oh, yeah, simply try to behave like gentlemen. That's a nice piece of advice. Mm. Oh, yeah, when mm. she tells them to behave, behave with the old lady. And then I, I wrote some notes for why I, why I didn't love this movie. It was bored, ruined by remake, characters only slightly loopy, Peter, okay. Peter Sellers wasted. <laughs> Wait, whoa, like, he was high? <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, and it was one of those movies that laid pipe for every other movie, but maybe it doesn't hold up as well in retrospect. Like I said, give me everything but your critique, and that's exactly what you gave me. God damn it, Jason. Well, I, still have, I might have more to say. Okay, well, I want to say that the way this movie came up I, I looked this up. Mm. The screenwriter is a gentleman named William Rose. I gotta say the writing in this is pretty fun. The script is a lot of fun, I think. And the direction is a lot of fun. Mm. But apparently screenwriter William Rose said he had a dream. He dreamt this whole thing. Mm. And basically, he said it was real easy to write the movie because I just woke up and just tried to remember what I dreamt. Well, damn, that's pretty good. Gotta like uh, that when that happens. This was also one of the last... Um, I guess great Ealing comedies, one of the last ones that, that people kind of recognized as a great uh, Ealing Studios comedy. Mm. And it's the last British film for Alexander McKendrick, the director, before he went to America and directed a movie called The Sweet Smell of Success. I've heard of that before. I don't know anything about it, but I know the title. Um, one thing he noted is uh, the, the reason he, he, he speaks highly of uh, Herbert Lom, mm. who plays Mr. Harvey. Yeah. And he said the reason Herbert Lom works so well as Mr. Harvey is because he played the character as if the character does not know he's in a comedy. Yeah. It does not know that he's funny. No, exactly. And I think that's, that's, I think that's an interesting uh, idea is that, that that's, that's true. You watch that character and you're like, oh, this is, he's in a different movie. The, the predecessor of somebody like uh, Leslie Nielsen in Airplane, I would say. Yeah. In the sense that, I mean, now you, you can say that just about everything Wesley Nielsen did after that wasn't that. But like just, yeah, playing it so super straight in a movie with so much insanity going on around him. Now, the writer and the director did not get along real well. Mm. Um, William Rose actually left the production midway through. He had a lot of arguments with Alexander McKendrick and the producer. And he basically just left, took his script, and they had to basically complete it from his notes. Mm. Um, When he finally saw the movie three years later, he was like... You know what? Yeah, you guys are right. <laughs> you, you, you proved it. Well, that's good. It's good that he could admit when he was wrong. Yep. Um, the other thing I just I, I took this word for word, but this is this is from uh, actually this is from a BFI website. Oh. Uh, this is what they say about the Lady Killers. The Lady Killers was the stultifying conservatism of contemporary Britain. Mrs. Wilberforce and her similarly aged friends represent the continuing weight of Victorian England holding back progress and innovation. That this innovation is represented here as robbery and murder <laughs> gives some indication of the ambiguity of McKendrick's vision. <laughs> yeah, really. So there you have it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, like, I don't have a lot to say. No. It's a comedy, and it's got a lot of crazy, wacky, wackamadoos. It's it's definitely worth it for uh, Alec Guinness's performance, as well as uh, Mrs. Wilberforce. What's that actress's name? Katie Johnson. Katie Johnson. Katie Johnson's performance. Which is the least old lady name I've ever yeah, heard. Yeah, exactly. He's thinking, ooh, that hot Katie Johnson. Jason, this movie does go to the Oscars. It gets one nomination. Mm. It doesn't win, but it gets nominated for Best Original Screenplay. And it goes to a movie that we all know and love, The Red Balloon. Oh, is that about the balloon boy? Yeah, in 1955. Yeah, well, they were very prescient. Uh, is that based on the novel Push by Sapphire? Yes, prescient. <laughs> At the BAFTAs, 
It is nominated for Best British Film and Best Overall Film, which it loses both to a movie called Richard III. Oh. Um, but it does win Best British Screenplay and mm. Best Leading Actress for Katie Johnson, mm. which is that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Deservedly so. Um, but yeah, I don't, like I said, I don't have a whole ton of stuff about this movie here but what do you uh what do you think give us your wrap because you have a little bit of hot take on this movie mm. it's a, at least a little like room temperature what i would say yeah is that yeah if you're looking for a movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with a pretty good plot and some good stars and a great soundtrack mm-hmm. i would check out escape from new york i but thought you were gonna say bucky larson born to be a star <laughs> I watched Escape from New York on Criterion this week. Mwah. First time I ever saw it. Had to have, watch it. You don't have to kiss me when you do that. Mwah. Mwah. Okay. Mwah. Oh, Jason, get off me. But that's a great movie. But as for this movie, this movie's perfectly watchable. Maybe you'll enjoy it. Maybe you won't. I was bored by it. Um, like I say, I think just it, its mildness as a comedy uh, uh, compared to modern stuff is probably what did it to me. I've just... I'm like, you know, I'm like a hardcore alcoholic when it comes to that stuff. And you can't just give me a, a, a can of uh, a Michelob. I need some goddamn tequila. I've never seen you drink tequila. No. And, I, <laughs> and uh, the last time I did, uh, it stayed the taste in my mouth for two days. Mm. I didn't throw up or get drunk. I just had a couple of sips of tequila and it would not go well, away. Well, this is a good time to mention our sponsor, Jose Cuervo. Yeah, I love tequila. <laughs> it's the best. Um, so is this more of like, so for you, this is obviously isn't like an English patient situation. No, no, this is no, not no. like a women in love no, situation. No, I, I have, I have, uh, well, first of all, I like women in love way more okay, than you so for do, me, clearly. For me, a woman in love situation. But uh, as a mutual uh, hatred society for a movie like The English Patient, I wouldn't put this in that category. I, I do not dislike this movie. And, mm-hmm. and in fact, I want to like it very much. I was just personally bored by it. But is I it, don't think that means it's bad. It's it, got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. It can't be that bad. You, if you were a professional critic right now, Jason, I'd you Bring that number down. You would. You'd be the Armand White of I guess that rating. That's where we want to go. We want to get to a point where they start quoting our podcast in the uh, Rotten Tomatoes ratings. Because yeah. everybody's always checking 55-year-old movies yes. to see if there's that's an right. update. Got to update those reviews. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things is when we were, we were uh, for my other podcast, yeah. we were looking for reviews for one of the movies on Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. and it was from like 1998 or something, mm-hmm. and it said, no reviews yet, be sure to keep checking. <laughs> As if that was ever going to get updated. <laughs> Finally, somebody saw Anaconda. I God to damn it, it, we got those Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. reviews in. <laughs> Finally, critics, come on. Tell us what you think. <laughs> 92%. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I liked it more than you did. Uh, I would say. I enjoyed it a great deal. I, I don't think it's... Um, 13 seems kind of insane. I, mm. I get the foundational aspect. I think of, I think it's a very important film in that way. Yeah. I think the importance may be more than the... I want to say importance more than the execution. I mm. do like this movie yeah. quite a bit. I don't think it's going to be my 13. Yeah, I, I think we've watched funnier <laughs> movies for sure. Like I like something like I'm, I'm All Right Jack in yeah. particular holds up way better as a comedy. Yeah, thing. and that works better as like a satire too. Mm. And I feel like there's, there's more weight to it. Yeah. And I'm not saying a movie has to be like you know, a brilliant takedown of politics no, to be no. a great movie. But, 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 but I'm all right, Jack has that going for, has that going for it. And maybe that helps with making it kind of a sharper yeah. type of movie and a funnier movie. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's, yeah, I love that movie. Yeah. It's a great movie. 
Um, and Peter and like to compare Peter and Sellers, to Peter Sellers and that yeah, to this yeah. is night and day. Yeah, they they let they let him go wild in the other one. Yeah, and I understand this is an early role, but I mean, mm. it's just there's nothing there. It's like they I wish wish you could go back in time and be like, don't waste this guy, do something fun with him. You guys are you got all these silly characters. Yeah. Why do you give? what and, is quite possibly the most talented character guy in this crew, right? And <laughs> he had to the, do. and he had that reputation for being a gentleman all the oh, time. Yeah, totally nice guy. Everybody Brit, loved him. Britt Eklund had only nice things to say about just him. Just the happiest go luckiest <laughs> fella. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'm I'm gonna yeah I'm I think it belongs on this list. Yes. Um, thirteen is kind of crazy. The question is whether Carry On Up the Kyber will be funnier or not. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that is a question that will haunt us for at least two more months, That's Jason. Right. But Jason, Brandon. So next week, next week we're gonna do something a little different. Oh. Um, we are going to take a little break from the list. Yeah. I mean, we're going to take a little break from the list for a while. Yeah. But um, the list is nice. But, you know, the list is life, as they say. But and we, it's nice to mix things up. We like to see different stuff. We like to see different stuff. And we're going to talk about a recent movie. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do a little mini episode next week on the movie. 1917. Which, if you haven't heard of it, um, get out of your cave. Because right. it's been all over the place, all over the map. A rare, high-budget World War One movie. <laughs> rare? <laughs> Yeah, well, they don't make a lot of World, World War One. World War One, okay. That's what I'm okay. I was yeah. gonna say war movie. Oh yeah, no, there's plenty of World War Two yeah. movies, but there's really not all that many. They've World already, War I movies. they've already reserved the spot on the. Not AF. since 2004's Death Watch has a World War One movie been so acclaimed. Um, <laughs> well, they're obviously reserving a spot for this on the next AFI list Absolutely. because it is 78% war movies. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk a little bit about 1917, and then following that. For a couple, a month or two, we're going to talk about... What are we going to talk about, Jason? We're going to do our special a series, a return to it, called And Now for Something Completely Similar. Explain that to the folks. That's where we watch remakes, sequels, prequels, and possibly even sidequels to various movies that we've already watched. And it's a fun exercise in comparing and contrasting uh, versions of the same movie. I don't like exercise. Well, that's too bad, because if we were doing an American podcast, we would do Dominion, a prequel to The Exorcist, and then that other Exorcist movie that came out before it. Um, Let's just do ours. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Paul Schrader. <laughs> Take that, Paul Schrader, Rennie Harlan. Yeah. The, 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 that battle won't be solved on this podcast. That would be interesting, though. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe, love... maybe you and uh, you and uh, old uh, he who must not be named can do it. Wow. Is that how we're going? <laughs> yeah. That's how you we're guys do are going to have some words with each other when you guest on the podcast <laughs> next time. Oh, and we watch the masterpiece that we have planned. Oh, my. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about 1917 next week, and then we'll announce... How uh, what we're going to talk about the following week on the next week's episode. All right. Then let's do that. So, Jason, they can find us on social media. Can they can. Us, yeah. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for, for Screen. And Country. We're out there. And we're also on Twitter at BFI underscore pod. You can also find Jason in particular on Twitter. At Jason D. McLeod. That's Jason D-M-A-C-L-E-O-D. And you can see me retweeting such luminaries as Jeff Gersman. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's it? That's it. Okay. It's not like you're going to keep going. No. And you also tweet about all the ladies you've killed. Well, I mean, I mean, a man doesn't kill and tell. A gentleman, anyways. Yeah, exactly. And you must behave like gentlemen for that's once. That's absolutely correct. For 10 minutes. Wisdom. So with that being said, all I've got to say to you is God save the queen. God save the screen. And for screen and country, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. Come back here, lady. We wish to kill you.
Yes, hello, I'm Alistair Sim. I wish they'd have let me be in this movie, but I was busy, and they didn't pay me enough. Alec Guinness is a cheap whore of an actor, is what I'm saying. Goodbye. Little old lady passing by, catching everyone's eye. You have such a charming manner, sweet and shy. Little old bonnet set in place, and a smile on your face. You're a perfect picture in your lavender and lace. Little bit of business here, little bit of business there. Bet that you've been window shopping all around the square. Little old lady, time for tea. Here's a kiss, two or three. You're just like that little old dear to me. It's a real 39 steps moment. Yes. Uh, it's a Polaroid moment. And she, she realizes what's going on, but she's no dummy. Oh, it's bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Before my eyes start to sting. Um, what were we talking about? Was it this movie? <laughs> Folks, this just happens sometimes on a podcast. You're crammed into a small corner of a room with a friend. And oh, it is rank. It's a slow mover because it hasn't hit me quite yet. But if he keeps laughing. (laughs) So, Jason, it's not a fake bell. Oh, my God. It smells so bad. Let me try again. This is going at the end of the episode. Mm. So, Jason. Yes. I can't talk. (laughs) Hi, guys. We interrupt your favorite podcast to... Interrupt you with an ad for your new favorite podcast. Wait, wait. Isn't this playing on somebody else's show? Exactly. So then how are we... I thought we were their new favorite podcast. Well, we're going to become their new favorite podcast after they hear this advertisement for our show. What's our show called, Justine? Superiority Complex. Yeah. Where can they find us, Patrick? Uh, Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, exactly. You can go to at Soup Complex on Twitter, S-O-U-P Complex. And you can go to Facebook.com slash Soup Complex. But our main page is... On Podbean, and you can find us there at www.superioritycomplex.podbean.com. New episodes are out every Thursday. Justine, what do we talk about on the Superiority Complex? Nerdy stuff. Perfect. Don't get all sensual with your voice. Yeah, did you hear that? I heard it. It's a little inappropriate. If you want to hear a little more of that, tune in to the Superiority Complex. One more time, Justine, what do we talk about? Nerdy stuff. Nah, wasn't the same. You tried. Hey, this is Liz. And this is Heather. And we are Nerdy Bitches Podcast. A show where two geeky ladies podcast their way through pop culture. From movies and TV to our regular book club and everything in between, we bring you our favorite fandoms with a feminine eye. 
We're talking Star Wars, Star Trek, Harry Potter, DC, Marvel, comic books, and anime. And don't forget sci-fi, fantasy, action movies, video games, D&D, board games, and so much more. Be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbeam, or wherever you find awesome podcasts. You can also find us hanging out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and at nerdybitches.com. Talk to you soon. So I was out with this girl the other night, and she said that she hated Star Wars. Can you believe that? I could top that. My latest date told me he didn't like black and white movies. What? Do you have a movie deal breaker? Is there a film you love so much that if your significant other didn't like it, it would be Splitsville? Well, we're dating hosts, Greg and Lauren, and in our podcast, Movie Date Night, we introduce each other to our favorite movies and see if our relationship can survive. And if our partners appreciate the movies as much as we do. Find us wherever podcasts are available and follow us at Movie Date Night on Facebook or Twitter to talk movies with us.